0: God's fighting for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a warrior. He's a mighty God. He's a savior. He's fighting for you. Never lost a battle and never will. He's fighting for you. He knows what he's doing and he's good at it. He's fighting for you. We've got to know that. Be convinced of that. God is good. I'm excited because tonight... Tonight, I was going to dig into, and we're still going to finish the series on greatness. But about an hour ago, I was over in the house, and the Lord said to me, finish the series on greatness next week. I said, but Lord, we released it. He said, finish it next week. I said, well, what are we going to finish tonight then? He said, tonight, I want you to remind my people that I am the God who delivers. There's an atmosphere stirring right now where fear is talking loud. And there's misinformation and information and overload and we're hearing stuff here and there. And if we're not careful, we get into a place where we become anxious, afraid. We get to the place where every time the news comes on, our blood pressure rises. We get to the place that we don't know whether or not we're going to have the flu or if it's going to get worse than that. And so just by the fact that all of the information that's flying around is stirring fear. And so do we need to be prepared? Yes. Be wise. Do what you need to do. Be smart. Be wise. Do what you should be doing every day anyway. Wash your hands. Do what you should be doing anyway, clean your house. It's amazing how they're telling us what we need to do and if we had just been doing it anyway. So let's do the things we can do. If you do what you can do, God does the rest. Now for those of us who have been spending all of our time, I want to address two things and then I'm going to go into the teaching. A lot of us in America, our first knee jerk reaction is either to be terribly afraid of something or to make fun of it neither one is good to be terribly afraid of something means you have been convinced that it has more power than god and when fear takes over you stop faithing you stop believing you stop trusting and at that point you believe that the lion and the bear is greater than your god you believe that goliath has more power than god you believe that the fire can burn even though god is in the flames with you so we have to calm down our minds And rest in the knowledge that God is real, God is true, and he will do what he promised us. So we have to breathe. So would you look at someone and say, breathe? Breathe. I'm teaching this not just for us, but for those who are watching. We have to remind ourselves on occasion in the hustle and bustle of life, we forget to breathe. We get so busy, we get stirred up, rushed, and running from one thing to the next, you find that your faith doesn't kick in because you haven't taken the time to slow down and remind yourself that what the Lord says is true. So you have to remind yourself on occasion, wait a minute, mind, wait a minute, God is still God, and God will take care of us, and God will be good to us. So we have to remind ourselves. So remind yourself that God is true. Second, don't let everything American mentality, often the first thing we do is when fear comes, we make a joke to silence the fear. So for all of us who think we need to put out all the memes, the texts, the jokes about coronavirus, slow your roll and stop being silly. Why? Because the moment it hits somebody you know, Suddenly you're going to be asking people to pray, but you made fun of everybody else when they needed prayer. So do what Jesus did. Jesus didn't make fun of any situation. He spoke truth into it and then showed compassion. So show the compassion of God, show the mercy of God, but walk by faith. Can we do that? So what I'm saying simply is this, don't overreact, but react like a believer. React like a believer. You don't have to make fun of something to not be afraid of it. Ooh, we're quiet now. (laughs) Because it's necessary. Why? Because there will come the moment when the church has to rise and say, we can pray for this people, this neighborhood, this city, and we're believing that God will show up miraculously and heal. But no one will honor us or hear our words if before we stand up to speak and declare, we've been making fun of the thing we were sent to break. You can't minister where you mock. If you mock it, you lose the power to minister to it. So let's be balanced. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's look at a couple things. Just want to remind us of some things tonight. We're not going to be too long. The Lord said to me, remind my people. Remind my people. I don't know how many of you, but have you noticed it's like everybody's on edge? Okay. People suddenly aren't flying. Nobody's going anywhere. Everybody's staying in their house. That's good because some of us haven't been home in a long time. I'm glad to see my house because I forgot I had food in my house. I have discovered snacks I didn't know I had. (laughs) Let me tell you something. I have had a wonderful time just rediscovering snacks. I had some little chocolate brownies. Now, before you say, ain't you been talking about sugar? Yes, they were flax, made with flax, organic, and gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it sounds absolutely nasty, but they were very good. <laughs> because I almost threw them away when I read what was in them. And then I ate one, and I said, well, Jesus, <laughs> the Lord is in this. So the Lord is calling us to see things with a different perspective If you see by faith, you'll not react in fear If you hear the word, you're not going to respond with worry And if you first begin by thanking God, you won't let other people take you into complaining So keep your mind in a place of peace, truth, and honor toward God That'll hold you in the time when you're ready to lose your cool. It'll help you. I want to talk about a couple of things. Number one, I want you to open your Bible with me. And we want to revisit something that we already know. But I just want to talk about who God is. Turn with me to Exodus 15. It's a passage we all know. Exodus 15. Our God is a God who heals. He delivers. He saves. He's a mighty God. We have to remind ourselves on occasion who he is. Remind ourselves that he's never lost any power. Exodus 15, verse 26 and 27. I love this passage. 25th and, excuse me, 26, 27. I love this. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do what is right in his sight, will give ear to his commandments, and keep his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I'm going to say it to you. Say it with me. I am the Lord that healeth thee. So the Lord declares through his servant that one of his names, this is where we derive the name Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Now it literally means his healing shall be seen. It means that every time sickness rises, his healing shall be seen. Speaking of the healing that would one day be seen when Jesus would go in a similar situation and where the sickness and the disease had come upon the people, where they were in a place of feeling as though sickness was overtaking them, in that same place, God declares, I am the Lord that healeth thee. How did it happen? He looked at, look at this, and he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Verse 25, the Lord showed him a tree. When he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now, what happened here was the waters had become bitter. It meant that the water was poisoned. So the people had gathered, and the people had no water to drink. Now the people are concerned because you've got now anywhere between 3 to 7 million people. Who have no water? They're in a desert. Now the water is going to poison them and they know they're going to die. What do we do? And the Lord declares, here's a tree. He takes a piece of the tree and throws it into the water. When it hits the waters, it makes the water sweet. What does that speak of? It speaks of the healing power of God to restore whatever is flowing in your system when you see water water speaks of systems systems When you see a well, it's speaking of a generational system, how God will bless the next several generations. When you see rain, it's how God speaks in revelation and education. It's the mental system. It is that which comes down upon you like rain upon the dry ground. The Lord sends revelation and knowledge comes. When you see streams, it's speaking of God invading the system of your life and bringing a transformation. When you see rivers, it is the system of the church. For out of your belly shall come rivers of living water And when you see oceans it spoke of commerce Or the systems of economies Because the ships will go upon the waters Like the ships of Tarshish that took gold from nation to nation So waters in scripture That's why the Holy Ghost always is spoken of as water Because he is the only one who can invade every system and bring change So waters speak of systems That's why you are carrying waters, because when Jesus came into you, he brought into you a heavenly system, a new way of living, a new way of thinking, a new way of moving, a new way of dreaming. He broke in you every old system. What your mama taught you, what your grandmama made you to be, what the school said you would never become, what everyone tried to fashion you to be, the river that came into you brought a new flow that broke every old model. So none of us can say we're stuck. You can't be stuck in a river. The only way to be stuck in a river is you've got to anchor yourself to the bank. You have to refuse to move. But if you're in a river, everything in a river changes every single second. Every second the river is moving. If the river stops moving, that means someone had to physically create a dam, a barrier to hold it back. At that moment, it is no longer a river. The river has become a dam. It has become a place of holding water. It's not flowing naturally. But if it flows naturally... It is continually changing. There's life in the river. So if you don't like what your life looks like right now, stay in the river. it 's going to change pretty soon. If you don't like what 's in your head right now, get the word going in your mind because that river's going to change your thought process. If you don't like what 's happening in your house, get the river flowing in your house because every single day, every single moment, something is changing if you stay in the river. Oh, you just got to get in the river, get in the river. Don't get dry. Don't be dry. Don't let people dry you out. Don't get on the bank to investigate and ask all the questions that everybody else is asking. Get in the water. Get in the water. Get in the water. The water's good. It's good in the river. It's good in the river. Yes, a river can take you where your strength can't carry you. Get in the river. The river will drop you somewhere you didn't know existed. Get in the river. The river will bring you life and it'll bring you hope and it'll bring you strength. Get in the river. Oh, if you get in the river enough times, you'll realize I'm suddenly somebody I didn't know I could be because the water transformed me. Oh, if you throw a stone into the water in a couple of years, it's smooth where it used to be edgy. Oh, God will take the edges off your life if you get in the river. He'll take that bitterness. He'll take that sharp tongue. He'll take that callous mind and just let the water wash you. He'll make you who you should be. Because that's who you really are. If you get in the river. Now, when the branch was thrown into the river... It says into the waters, it made the water sweet. All of this is speaking of Jesus who would come. Now Jesus, he is the root out of dry ground. He is the offspring and the root out of Jesse and out of David. So when they cut off the root, when they cut off the branch, he was called the root and the branch. When they took the branch and cut him off, where they cut him off on the tree. Calvary, same place. They found a tree and cut a branch off. Jesus was taken to the tree and they cut off the branch. When they cut him off by taking his life, he hung upon the tree. But what happened when they put him in the ground? It was just like the branch being thrown into the bitter waters. He went down into hell, down into Sheol, down into the place of the curse. But when he hit it, the life inside of him broke the bitterness that was in my past, in my present, and could stop me in my future. And the bitter was made sweet. I should be going to hell, but I'm sweet now. I'm going to heaven. I should be sick, but sweetness brought life. To me, I should be broken in my life, but he made me whole. Oh, he made the bitter water sweet. This was speaking of Christ who would come, he was the branch cut from the tree, thrown into the water, and he made the bitter sweet. He took upon himself our sickness and our disease, so he did that so he could make the bitter sweet. If he died, so we could be healed. Then now I ask you the question, why would you let anybody convince you that you can't be healed? If he died to prove you could be. I'm I'm just looking. I'm checking faces. I'm just checking faces. So we have to remind ourselves that from the very beginning of the covenant God made with man, healing was in that covenant. It is not man's idea, but God's covenant that promises healing Now if it is God's idea, that means it is legally yours Generationally promised, eternally given It is yours, generationally promised What does that mean? Unto you and to your seed and to your grandchildren This promise lives on It's generationally given, which means it doesn't run out He doesn't run out of healing He doesn't look at you and go, I don't have any more healing for you because I I, I used it all on your grandmama. (laughs) You know, she asked me about eight times the healer and I did. So I got nothing else for you. He doesn't run out. Why? Because it is eternal. It goes generationally, but it stands eternally. How does it stand eternally? Because he's not giving you a portion of healing. Now, this is important. How you receive healing is not that you receive a portion of healing. How you receive healing is that you step into what he already did. You step into what he already did. You step into what he already did. did. How do you do that? How do you get saved? Salvation is so easy because we understand that Jesus died 2,000 years ago in my place. Because he died in my place, then I don't have to fight for salvation. I receive salvation because he took my place, which means it legally belongs to me the moment I agree it is true. The moment I agree, the moment you recognize I need a savior, and the moment you say, Lord, save me at that moment, his heart becomes your heart his life becomes your life he gives you himself he doesn't give you another he gives you himself so you become exactly as he is he gives you himself know you not the life I now live I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me it is not I that lives but Christ that lives in me to many as have received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God So he didn't give you another. He gave you himself. So the moment you receive him, you are now translated into a new kingdom. The Bible doesn't say transferred. It doesn't say transition. The word is translated. Translate means an instantaneous lifting from one location and positioned in another. Translating means think about Star Trek. How many of y'all have seen Star Trek? Okay. Now, on Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty. Instantly from one location and you're you're on the ship. You are instantly from one location to another. Okay. That is translation. So when the scripture says you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, Into the kingdom of his dear son It means instantly and without delay You were fully moved from one kingdom to another kingdom It didn't mean part of you was moved It didn't mean 20% of you was moved It didn't mean that I'm going to keep working on the other 80% And hopefully it'll get better over time All the stuff that needs to be fixed Was carried with you into that new kingdom All of you got moved All of you Would you say that all of me me. The good, bad, and the ugly All of me got moved Now if all of me got moved That means that all of me got saved All of me Your issues, your problems The stuff you praying about He brought that with you too And he's Lifting that while you continue to walk with him, but you will not be more saved in 10 years than you're saved right now. You may be freer in your mentality because you mature in your integrity, but you will not be more saved. You can't be more saved than saved. If I go outside and stay outside in the sun, I may get darker from the sunlight, but I can't be more blacker than I am. (laughs) See, the black people in the room understood that. Except for Mirage, she's still looking like I don't know what that just meant. (laughs) What does that mean? That means I am not the essence of the level of pigment I am what I am because I was born to parents who were already black some of you got it what makes me who I am is the DNA of my family The classification you receive, whether it is race or culture, is based on the generation before you, not the color or shade of what they see. So you can look white, but you will be classified as black if you've got an eighth of black in you. See, half of y'all knew that some of y'all went, what? Why am I saying that? Some of you keep classifying yourself by what you look like. Ah, see, now now you're getting it. Some of you are classifying yourself by what you look like on the outside rather than who your daddy is. So my genealogy is connected to my DNA internal structure. And the moment I got saved, he made me again in his image and likeness. So even though this might not be the depth, the shade, the clarity, the strength, it needs to be where I'm going. I can't be more like him than I already am in nature, but I will be more like him in behavior. So my nature is from him. My behavior becomes like him. When I was born as a baby, I am Larry Dalton's son. That is my nature. But as I got older, I began to hold my head like he holds his. When people tell a joke, I laugh like he laughs. That is learned behavior. I learned the behavior of my father, but I cannot be more his by behavior than I am by DNA. So good. It is DNA that makes me his. Behavior reveals to you that I paid attention to him. Okay. <laughs> DNA reveals I came from him. Every one of you. Must separate the fact that on this journey, God has given you the full weight of His nature when you got born again. On, born again. And in His nature is strength, life, hope, revelation, resurrection, power overcoming strength, all of that's in his nature. Now you've got to walk out the behavioral factors of training your brain, learning unity, being good to people, being honorable. That is something you learn over time and practice. But your structure, your DNA, your essence is you cannot be more saved than you are. Religion creates a hierarchy That we might devalue some And value others So we can feel better About our accomplishments Christ gave family Family says Everybody has an inheritance Everybody is under the blood And everybody can produce The same level of influence If they trust him And walk by faith It is a choice it's a choice. Is this making sense? Yeah. Okay. So healing belongs to you. Healing is seen to us, re- revealed here in this passage. Jesus goes on a tree. He goes into the waters, into the earth, into the ground, thrown in and makes the bitter sweet. Now, here's the important part. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, will do that which is right in his sight, give ear to his commands, keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. There's the problem. The problem is most of us start to think, okay, I haven't done everything right. I didn't keep all the statutes, didn't keep all the commands, somehow I messed up, somehow I made a mistake, I ate this, I did this, and what? Oh, God. Now, what I love is you must remember. Everything in the Old Covenant was to reveal that we needed him. Everything in the Old Testament was to reveal our need for him. It was to reveal we could not do it without him. It was to reveal the righteousness of the Father. I've said this before. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is made up of this righteousness, peace, and joy. We know that, for this is the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, righteousness is the nature of the Father. When we look at the old covenant, he dealt with sin immediately and quickly because the Father cannot behold sin. He sees everything through righteousness. Why? Because he alone in all the universe is right. Everything is balanced against the standard of the nature of God. So the Father is right. He made us to be in his presence and in his image. So when sin came in that we might be spared the death that should have come upon us, he said, I love you so much. I'm not going to let you die in your error, Adam. So I'm going to put you out of the garden because I am righteous, nothing unrighteous, nothing out of order, nothing disobedient can stay in my presence, not because I would kill you because the sheer weight of my glory. Destroys anything out of order So for mercy's sake he said get out of the garden Because if I show up to talk with you face to face my glory burns out sin Anything in you not like me will be burned out by the weight of who I am So to keep you alive I'm gonna get you away from me Now, how do we know that to be true? Because when God met with Moses on the top of the mountain, and it says, when the people looked up and God met with Moses, the glory of God came so thick upon the mountain that the mountain shook and the rocks came down. And it says that the Lord had told the people, stand back from the mountain. Why? He wasn't trying to judge the people. But when his glory hit the mountain, the mountain responded to the weight of God's glory. And God said, if the people don't come up, be with me face to face, if they are simply witnesses of glory, then my weight will end up bringing judgment. So when the rocks came down, not one was killed. Why? Because God said, back them away from the mountain. Remember what was God's first request? Moses, bring all the people that I might meet with all of them face to face. God was going to reveal his glory to millions of people face to face and put his power upon them. It is the people that said, Moses, you go meet with him. So when the people questioned God's character, God said, oh, no. They still got Egypt in them. They don't trust me. They're afraid of me. They don't know my nature. So I've got to keep them outside of the inner circle until they fix their thinking or they will always misunderstand me and fear will open the door to judgment is this helping anybody God was never trying to kill everybody he was trying to get us restored from the very beginning but until we understood his nature we always approached him incorrectly so the nature of the father in the old covenant is righteousness he cannot look upon sin he cannot have unrighteousness in his presence the nature of Jesus is peace prince of peace I am come that you might have peace peace I give but not as the world gives so he comes to bring peace he is forever a priest after the order of Melchizedek what was the order of Melchizedek? Melchizedek was from Salem or from peace. So the priesthood of Jesus is the priesthood of Melchizedek. Melchizedek means prince of Salem or prince of peace. So the priest that represents Jesus in the old covenant was Melchizedek. So from the old covenant, the priest that met Abraham until Jesus shows up as the priesthood of the new covenant, Peace was always the representation of Jesus. Why is that important? Because when he went to the cross, he did it for one reason, to bring us back to God, to bring peace between God and man. This is what we call the ministry of reconciliation. So the nature of the Father is righteousness. The nature of the Son is peace. What is the nature of the Holy Ghost? Joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. These men are not drunk as ye suppose, being seen it is but the third hour of the day, but they are full of the Holy Ghost wine, drunkenness, joy. The bubbling effervescent explosion of God's life rising from the inside of you like a river in John 4. Out of your belly shall come rivers of living water like fresh wine. Be ye continually being filled with the Holy Ghost. Going back to the old covenant, the new wine is in the cluster. It is always speaking of the grapes, the wine, the overflow. So the Holy Ghost always represents an explosion of joy filled life. Joy-filled life If we understand that then we understand something and i'm coming back to healing We understand that the father says I am righteous So I cannot walk with you outside of righteousness Jesus said i've come to bring peace, so i'm going to restore you back to the father The holy ghost says I am come to bring you joy now when you understand it all together. Here's what happened jesus stood in between all that was broken and all that was whole. All that was lost and all that was given. And he made peace between the old covenant and the new covenant. He made peace Between all that you did wrong and all that God said you could be. And at that moment he forever shut down the law that was against you. How did he do it? He made peace with God so that God was no longer angry with men. How do we know that? For the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus at the cross. Jesus made peace for us with God which means God ain't mad at you. If Jesus made peace with God And the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Then what wrath does God have? So for many of us who were conditioned continually To be afraid that God was going to kill us all one day The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus at the cross That's the book That means he took his wrath, all of his wrath, dumped it on Jesus. When it hit Jesus and Jesus died under the weight of it, at the moment he died, the wrath of God was satisfied. And God said, this is what the father declared. I'm so glad my wrath is done. Jesus hit the ground for us and when he opened his eyes in hell the bible says he opened his eyes in hell what did he do he preached the bible says he preached in hell what did he preach he preached the first thing he ever said he preached i am wow. when he said i am that i am when he declared eriye a when he declared that in the under realm everything in hell bowed and said he's the one that made us Everything in hell had to yield why because even though demons and devils are in rebellion The Bible says they had to recognize his godhood. They had to recognize his authority So when he went into hell, how did he go into hell? That's why he took your sin upon him Because the law of earth is you cannot rule what you're not born in Oh, i'm teaching i'm teaching more than I was trying to get to tonight The law is birds produce birds so birds can own the air. What you're made to live in, you can own. Fish produce fish so fish control the seas. Everything that swims in the oceans, wherever you go. If it's in Africa, it's a hippopotamus and a crocodile. If you're down in Florida, it's going to be gators. If you're in some other part of the world, it's sharks. Whatever is strongest in that part of the water, they control it, but they're born into it. You have dominion over what you're born in. So Jesus, to take us back, had to be born into the earth. So he needed a vessel to be born through. So the father (laughs) breathed upon Mary. Mary conceived in her womb the word of God because the word, when she said yes to the word that was prophesied, that word went into her womb. And it was the word that became flesh which is why she didn't have to lay with a man or know a man because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when the angel said that thing that shall be in your womb shall be called Jesus, a holy child, when she said, I agree, the word he spoke, a child called Jesus shall be in your belly. When she said yes, then that word that went into her belly, a child called Jesus began to swirl around and the very word began to become DNA strands and the DNA strands began to became cells and the The cells became organs and the organs became a child. The word became flesh. Because the same word went out of his mouth and created suns and moons and stars. The same word formed the very axis of the earth and caused it to spin. The same word caused the moon to hang up and make the waves go back and forth. The same word formed the very structure of Adam's body. And it was his word that went into Mary and became flesh. If his word could make a baby in a virgin, then what could happen if we started believing his word when he said, yes, I'll heal you a cancer. Yes, I'll restore your child. Yes, I'll give you a new job. What would happen if we believed that in the midst of nothingness, his word could start working and forming? He doesn't need material. All he needs is agreement and his word starts spinning and swirling and forming and all of a sudden in an empty womb, there's a baby in a tomb. A dead man comes back to life. Waters begin to divide. Droughts begin to end. His word, his word, his word, his word. Wherever his word is honored, something begins to happen. Wherever his word is believed, miracles begin to manifest. Wherever his word is heard, change comes. God is asking one thing. Can you believe the word? The hardest thing in the world is to convince doubting Christians to recognize their doubting. Most of us are so busy trying to convince everybody that we are strong, that we never tweak our unbelief. So we stay stuck. Why? Because pride demands to be right. You can't grow strong until you admit you're not. You can't have your mind restored until you admit it's out of order. You can't be healed until you acknowledge you're sick. You can't be prayed for until you ask for prayer. The prayer that is never answered is the one not prayed. We have to understand the fullness of this that he has given you all things All things Access to all things. He has withheld from you nothing He has kept from you nothing every gift every promise belongs to you And if your mind cannot receive that then fix your mind But don't live your life and spend your years mad at God and frustrated because you keep saying it don't work for me. If it don't work for you, fix your mind. Because it's been working a long time for everybody else. Now, if the recipe worked for 99 people and you keep burning the cake, it's you. It's either you or your oven. (laughs) I'm amazed at how many times we won't do one simple thing. What is that? Self-assess. To become mature in God, to see this thing actually rest in us, you have to be willing to self-assess, become self-aware. Every one of us should do something on a regular basis. Take a test in your own mind with God. Am I walking honorably? Do I believe you? Do I trust you? And then be honest with that result. And if any of that comes up, no. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel bad. Just correct it. Correct it. You don't have to feel bad about burning the cake. Just make another one and fix what went wrong. I grew up making bread. I love to make bread. Now, I remember I made some bread once. I'm a good cook. I am. I'm a good cook. I am an excellent cook. I love to cook. But I remember as I was learning to make bread, my father would say, whatever you want to make, make it. And then I eventually made bread and sold it. I made bread and cakes. Went every weekend to the flea market. My aunt Nanette would drive me. She had a hatchback, little Nissan, and I would make seven cakes Pies and about eight different loaves of bread we drive down and I sold out within an hour every single time and because I started making good recipes now the first time I did it I made a loaf of bread thought I followed the recipe. And it was a wonderful, it was challah bread. I made this challah bread and I made it and did the rope texture and then had the egg wash and had taken a little bit of melted butter and then I, and I was making it and it looked perfect, looked fantastic, (laughs) fantastic, I tell you. When it was in the oven, it smelled very good, looked delicious. I sold that bread like it came from the hands of Jesus. When I went back the next week, a lady was standing there with half that loaf of bread. She said, this is not good. I said, oh, no, what did I do? She said, well, did you taste it? I said, well, no. I said, I I followed the recipe. She said, "Mm -mm, no, you didn't. She said, I bought it because it looked right. She said, try this. I took a piece of it and It's a little dry because it was a week old I took a piece and I tasted it I thought oh my Oh my The Lord is not in this <laughs> And I realized what I did immediately I had made the mistake Of doing salt for sugar In my hurry Now it still looked good It still shined like it was supposed to shine. It smelled like it should have smelled. It was the taste test. Every now and then you've got to do a taste test of your own life and not be offended and not get upset, but go back through and honestly evaluate, does this look like what Jesus said? Don't compare yourself with the conference down the street, the guy on TV, your sister in another place. Don't compare yourself with one another. In doing so, you are unwise. We do not compare ourselves with each other, for we will always tell each other we're awesome because we don't want anybody to tell us we're not. You compare yourself with Scripture and say, Scripture says I can live like this. Do I look like what Scripture said? If the answer is no, no. Then self-assess, get mentored, and add the word. Amen? Because it's growing time. All of us were created for dominion. All of us were created to win. All of us were created to live in the overflow. This healing, this deliverance, this glory of God was promised to all of us absolutely as a birthright. So we see that Jesus took it for us, then gave it to us. Now, I want us to look at a couple more scripture. Because he gave it to us, something we have to take hold of, which I love this. Look at Psalm 103. He's our healer. He's our restorer. He's our great deliverer. Now, Psalm 103, you should all know it. We all have heard it quoted. But I would advise... In these times, to learn the first few verses of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Jesus not only gave us life, but the declaration that is part of our covenant is that, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, this makes it clear. David said, I'm going to choose to bless God. I'm going to choose. To magnify God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Say that with me, benefits. benefits. Benefits is something that belongs to you by family right or legal rights. It is legal or familial. What does that mean? That means either by blood or by covenant, you have right to something. It means nobody can take it from you Nobody can change the law Whoever wrote the law Is the only one who can change the law So God makes it clear That you have legal right To these things These are the benefits Of walking with God These are your benefits God gives you this Which means every one of us over our lives Have the right to not only expect it But proclaim it So bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits What's the first benefit? He forgives all thine iniquities All of them all of them every iniquity you had in your past. He forgave it All of it Now I'm gonna say something right now that might get me in trouble with people, but I hope to be in trouble with people We need to be under to be clear and understand That you may have generational things from your family you need to break But if you are a believer, you are not under a generational curse I'm gonna say that one more time because I can tell some of y'all y'all done heard that other teaching so long When you came to Jesus You were brought into a generational blessing Now if you believe the curse of your family Is stronger than the blood of Jesus. Your mind has already given permission to stuff to stay. I went into a meeting once and I had a lady come up to me and she said, I, I, in this meeting, we're praying for everybody who comes in. There's about 500 people there. I said, wonderful, wonderful. She said, can I pray for you? I said, sure. She said, oh, she took my hands. She said, I'm going back about 12 generations. I said, in whose family? She said, I'm going back 12 generations in your family. I said, no, you ain't. No, you ain't. I said, you ain't. I said, we don't do no ghost travel up in here. She said, well, I'm going back into the past. I need to break something. I said, there's nothing to break. She said, well, there's stuff on your family. I said, number one, I said, you're an idiot. I said, because you think, because I don't know my family line, you can get me to believe something. I said, I know my family. I said, I come from a generation of preachers. I said, so why didn't you see the generational blessing? She said, oh, 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 I'm sorry. I said, uh-uh, you talking, stand here. I said, because you done went around this room and you got all these people crying and asking to be free because they don't know what happened 12 generations ago. So people are talking you into letting them pray something that you can't prove to be true. So you let them convince you because all of us think there's something in my past that's holding me hostage. No, it's a mind change. Every one of us, if it ain't a level playing field, then the Bible lied. So is there stuff in my family that needs to be broken? Yes. Patterns of behavior Amen. Patterns of behavior You not just crazy because your grandmama had a devil your grandmama was crazy She taught your mama to be crazy. So you acting crazy, but that don't mean you got a crazy devil on you You just need to stop acting crazy I got a spirit of death following my friend. It ain't a spirit of death your grandpa ate sugar and meat And it killed him your daddy eat pork all the time now you eat in the same way and you blaming the devil for diabetes When all you got to do is change what you're eating. It's a pattern of behavior. It's not a devil If you change your pattern you change your future now where there are spirits Because there are demonic influences operating in people's lives. What do you do when you have that? The clear thing from Scripture is, number one, you walk in your identity by walking in the newness of Christ, and you rebuke the enemy from having permission, but it's permission in your life. You ain't got to reach back in the past. Why? Oh, I'm on this. I can tell folk in the room right now, like, what? Let me help you. Because that teaching didn't start until about 30 years ago And it started with people writing a series of books on deliverance Because they couldn't get free But the people who wrote those books, half of them died alcoholics So if you found out a truth that would set everybody else free Why are you dying drunk? So we got to stop reading stuff without researching people Because we're reading the newest and the greatest revelation and we ain't done no research. So we let people tell us what they picked up in a bad psychology class. So we got spiritual psychologists instead of good ones who understand how to walk you through your mental issue. They've made it a spiritual issue because the only place where we get to practice without a license is church. Woo! Is this helping anybody? Good. Now, how do you get free? Number one, the moment you realize there is some demonic thing messing with you, you recognize in your new nature in Christ, you have authority. So you take authority over that thing and you tell it to leave you alone. Number two, you find out what patterns am I acting in that I need to change. And you set a three-week or 30-day... Moment Of resetting a pattern And get someone to make you accountable That you walk with Otherwise you'll rebuke something And in three months it's back again Why is it back? Because you never change your pattern So if the spirit leaves And it comes back And the house is swept clean If the house is clean and open But there's no new... that's set up if the holy spirit isn't ruling the house if there's not a new pattern of behavior if you haven't got some form of accountability where your house is protected in the gates then you leave yourself open to the same pattern returning and the same spirit ruling why because you didn't actually change the ownership of the house you just told some stuff to leave for a while How do I know this works? I've been teaching this all over the world like this. And folk who have been dealing with demonic things for years keep going, I'm free now. Why? Because if we cast it off you, you are always in the mindset that I need somebody else to pray. If you learn how to break it and change your mindset, you will not only deliver yourself, you'll never be bound again. Am I talking good, Debbie? Amen. Why? Because every one of us has to own our walk in God. Walk out your own salvation in fear and trembling. I've laid hands on a whole lot of folks and cast devils out. When I start dealing with believers, I tell them, now once I pray for you, we're going to set a new pattern, a new 30-day plan. And you got to walk this out and you're going to stay free. But if you don't You're going to leave doors open Why? Because it's a familiar spirit What's a familiar spirit? It's familiar with you It's followed your family It knows what your family likes It knows everybody in your family Has the same patterns So it reintroduces patterns So you got to break the pattern You got to change the pattern so once you get free, change the pattern. What does that mean? Whatever you doing that your mom used to do, your grandma or your aunt or your uncle, you've got to actively make a list and say, these things I've got to be accountable with someone and change this pattern. Because if I don't change these patterns, I'm going to be back in the cycle again. You can't do the same thing you've always done and get a different outcome. Got to change some patterns. Change some patterns. Okay. He said he not only delivers us, he forgives all our iniquities. What's the second part? He heals all our diseases. All. 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 Would you look at somebody and say all? All. Now, I love it because in the Hebrew, all means all. hmm In the Hebrew, all means all. So for those of you who want to research it later, all means All. That means every disease known to man, every disease they're gonna discover, and every virus that's gonna show up. He said, I heal that too. All. So before there was a corona, he's healing corona. All. Before they said you had cancer, he's healing of cancer. All. Before you had the migraine, he took on healing for migraines. All. Before your child got a bad report from the doctor, he already got healing for your child. All, so you've got to remind yourself that he said all my diseases. all, all is all. I've been healed so many times by the grace and the power of God that you can't convince me he's not a healer. I've seen him heal family. You can't convince me. Now, I want to say to some of you, some of us struggle with believing that God can heal. Why? Because you've got to wherever your faith is weak, you have to personally build your faith. Nobody can build your faith for you. That's right. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the. Word of God. So, in the place where faith is weak, you have to build your faith. What does that mean? Every scripture on healing, you got to feed yourself those scriptures until your faith kicks in. Right. You got to feed it to yourself. If you got a problem believing that God can bless you financially, you need to read scriptures on finance. If your children are acting crazy, read every scripture about you and your whole house shall be saved and blessed is the man whose seed serves the Lord. You got to read those scriptures, speak them out. Whatever your faith is weak in, you must feed yourself that word. Why? Because if you don't feed yourself that word, fear will whisper until that's all you can hear. So you got to feed yourself that word, feed it, feed it, feed it, feed it. And when that word gets in your spirit, you'll find it becomes harder for you to doubt than to believe. You start to just trust him. I mean, Charity, you just believe God's going to heal people. She just walks around just praying for <laughs> folk and God starts healing. She believes he's a healer. You've got to be convinced he's a healer. You got to believe it. Now, how do you know you believe it? You not only trust that God can do it, but you tell other people he's going to do it. If you can't talk about it with conviction, you don't yet believe. Your voice is a revelation of your heart. Whatever's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. So if you really believe it, you'll talk about it. If you believe he's a healer, talk about it. I remember when I told this story, but I want to tell a couple of them. I remember when I had a hole in my tooth. I had a horrible cavity and I was in pain. And I was going to go to see the dentist. And I said, Lord, this is, this is hurting me. This was back in North Carolina. I said, Lord, heal my tooth. Well, excuse me, let me back up. I didn't ask him to heal my tooth the first few days. I just hurt. I hurt. Let me tell the whole truth because the Lord just said, you and tell the whole truth. <laughs> and the first few days, I just hurt. And I remember while I was hurting, I kept going, oh, Lord. I need to go. I don't want to go to the dentist. And finally, the Lord said to me, you haven't even asked me to heal you. He said, you're telling me how bad it hurts, but you haven't asked me to heal you. He said, could you at least ask me? I am amazed many times at how often we talk about we need healing, but we hadn't asked him. We never stopped through our day of complaining and arguing to say, God, I know you're good. I know you're real. Would you heal me? Because if you start talking to him and saying, Lord, would you heal me? The next thing that happens is your mind starts to submit. And you start to agree with him. And the Lord said to me, do you have any prayer oil? I said, yes. Now, you don't have to have prayer oil. I'm, I'm not one who believes in always carrying around prayer oil. However, I do believe in using it. Now, what is it? It's a point of contact. That's all it is. There are times when you need a point of contact. What does it do? It focuses your faith. It's not the oil that does it. It's not a prayer cloth that does it. It's not somebody. It's a point of contact. There's a moment when God says, if you will focus your faith on something, it will keep you from doubting because all these other voices are in your mind saying it's not going to happen. You need one little thing you can focus on and you break past fear. It's a point of contact. When the woman grabbed the hem of his garment, it was not the hem of Jesus' garment that healed her. It was her faith in Jesus. But she had said in her mind, if I can grab a hold. So the point of contact that she decided on became the conduit for her miracle. Okay. So when the Lord said to me, he said, is there oil? I said, yes. He said, anoint your tooth. And I remember I went and looked in the mirror, opened my mouth, looked in the mirror, and I could see the hole in my tooth. And I, I, oh, it was bad. It was bad. And I put the oil on my tooth. And I began to say, God, I thank you. And I believe in always having a scripture. You need something to stand on. And I couldn't find a scripture for healing teeth. I looked. I looked. But the only scripture I could find was it says, he has broken the teeth of the ungodly. So I reversed it if the forward is true the reverse is true. So I reversed it if he breaks the teeth of the ungodly Then he will restore the teeth of the godly So I said lord The scripture says you have broken the teeth of the ungodly lord. I am godly. I am your child So lord, I declare you have restored the teeth of the godly That was all I prayed. I went to bed the next day I'm in the house and the lord says you haven't mentioned your tooth. I said, oh, it hasn't bothered me. He said, well, go check your tooth. I said, okay. I went and opened my mouth, looked in the mirror. I said, well, look at that. And the hole, the tooth had filled in. The hole was gone. Now, to this day, I don't have one filling in my mouth. Not one feeling. Because once I saw him do it once... I just started laying hands, and he's healed every tooth in my head. I don't have a filling in my—not t- one. I was overseas trying to open a bottle, and had the bottle in my mouth. And, de- and one of my friends said, "What are you doing? You go?" I said, "These teeth ain't gonna break." <laughs> I said, because he told me he would restore the teeth of the godly. I remember when I was traveling, and I was overseas. And all of a sudden, we were in the middle of a meeting, and a woman left one of our meeting spaces and dropped dead in the hallway. Dropped dead, dropped dead, dropped dead. I don't mean she fell out, I don't mean she passed out, I mean she dropped dead. There was 27 other people there from America who were witness to this, including my family, and we had Vera Speed, and many of us were there. They all testified to this. We still tell each other this story. She dropped dead in the hallway. We go outside. She's laying in the hallway dead, not breathing. We're in Africa. No ambulance to call, nobody to get in contact with. The Lord said, drag her body back in the room. We grabbed her by her feet and drug her back in the room. She's dead we're in the room and we began to pray and the Lord said do you believe I'm a healer yes he said do you believe I have power yes he said then worship me until death leaves this room we started worshiping the Lord over top of Dorothy's body and as we were worshiping God and calling upon the name of the Lord the Lord said now speak to her dead body and tell it to live we said in the name of Jesus Christ of now death let go woman get up she sat up on the floor After being dead for 30 minutes, you can't tell me he ain't a healer. You can't convince me he ain't real. I've seen him do it. And we had witnesses to it. Wait, let me go one step further. So right here in America in Connecticut we were in a meeting and the Lord began to move and the Lord said say that healing is flowing I said the Lord says healing is flowing the Lord says do you believe I'm a healer I said yes do you believe I'm here yes he said then tell the people reach up people began to lift up their hands all of a sudden the power of God hit a woman looks up and she begins to do like this and she's doing like this and I'm going mother what's wrong she said honey uh, honey look up there and she I thought she saw an angel And she's reading the writing on the wall. And I'm thinking, is she having a senile moment? I thought she was having a senile moment. I did. All of a sudden, she starts talking out loud and reading posters. I said, mother, what's going on? And the whole church goes crazy. I said, what are you doing? She said, come here, child. I walk over to her. She said, look at this and this. I said, why? And the church says, you don't understand. She's been blind for six years. God opened her eyes in the service and she starts reading signs and grabs her Bible, reading the Bible, and the church just goes up. Well, let's go one better than that. I remember when my, my father, when they said that it looked like he had cancer in his body and we began to trust God and believe God and... And God took cancer out of him and healed Wait, I remember when my mother was dying and she'd gotten down below 100 pounds and they said she wasn't going to make it and told my mama she could go home. Wait, wait, wait. And she said, the Lord said he's going to heal me and my mama is healthy and alive and restored. Oh, I remember when my brother went flying off a motorcycle and part of his brain was laying on the freeway and they said he wouldn't live through the night. And my mama went walking in there and said, y'all ain't moving him from this room. Because the Lord told me if he stays in this room, God will show up and heal him. And they tried to pull his body out of the room and take him into surgery. And mama said, I know I heard God. Leave him alone. And when my daddy walked in, my daddy began to speak. And all of a sudden, between my mama and daddy's face, my brother went home. When they said he'd be dead in 12 hours, he went home in 12 hours. When I called my daddy and said, what's the report? He said, your brother's in the car and I'm picking up food from IHOP. He wants something to eat. Ah, he's a mighty God. Yes. He's a mighty God. You got to believe he's a healer. He's a right now God. He's a healing God. He heals all my diseases. Ain't nothing he won't heal. Ain't nothing he won't touch. Ain't nothing he won't restore. He's a healing God. You got to believe that. Don't let nobody talk you into their doubt. Don't let nobody convince you, well, it ain't happened for me. Well, that's you, but he said he heals. Don't you let people pull you into their doubt and unbelief. Because people will talk you into their sorrow. If God said it's real, it's real. If he said it's true, it's true. You got to trust God. If it ain't worked for you yet, well, believe again. You still breathing, believe again. Your time ain't over, believe again. Well, you don't know how many times I've asked him, well, you got breath, ask again. Stop making excuses, why? Because an offended heart... Is a heart that stopped loving the moment you get offended with God it is the sign you stopped loving because if you still in love with him it don't matter how long he take I trust him cuz I love him I trust him because I love him I trust him because I love him if he don't do it now I still trust him he don't owe me nothing but he promised me everything Yay! Oh yes! You gotta remember that. He don't owe me nothing. But he gave me everything. Woo! So what do I do? I keep trusting. I'm gonna tell you one more. I remember my aunt. She had a problem in her hip. Because we're getting ready to pray. She had a problem in her hip. And she had been walking around with pain in her hip for years. Years. She'd always call it. She said, I feel like I got a pull in my side. It was like a muscle had been torn. She said, I'm not going to the doctor. The Lord told me one day He's going to heal me. Years. She'd have to stand there and stretch herself and and move around and get her hip to loosen up. She said, but one day, God made me a promise. She said, he's a healing God. We were praying in our house, not in a church, in our house. See, if you do it at home, it's easy in church. We were in our house, about ready to eat a meal. And I was upstairs and the Lord said, I want you to go downstairs and lay hands on your aunt. I'm going to heal her. I came downstairs and I said, Nanette, today is your day. She said, I believe. She said, you know I believe. I said, well, come on here, let's pray. Right in the kitchen in Raleigh, North Carolina. Laid hands on my aunt And the power of God hit her And she began to tremble And she said, I need you to know her testimony today And that was eight years ago She said, I ain't never had another pain in that hip She said, he healed me once and I kept it She said, how'd I do? She said, every now and then I wake up and feel like pain is trying to come back And she'll hit her hip and say, you a lie You can't be in this hip and the pain go You got to learn how to keep your healing Why? Because pain comes back in a couple of days. And you have to stand on the healing and tell it, no, you a lie. You can't come back. Why? Symptoms is not the same as sickness. He healed the sickness, but you got to stand against the symptom. And because many of us have not been trained how to fight and stand, the moment the symptom comes back, we yield and go, oh, I lost it. Oh, it wasn't real. Oh, what happened? What happened was you didn't stand. You got to having done all. Stand. Having done all. Stand. Having done all. Stand. Having done all stand. So the standing is our responsibility. Right. He said, once I touch you, you stand. That's right, yeah. That means when something comes to shake you, stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the enemy come back, stand. Yeah, stand. When he tell you it wasn't real, stand. Yeah. When he say it's not going to last, stand. Yeah. The devil's a liar. Stand in your healing, stand in your victory Stand and trust the Lord Stand, stand Now the last thing I'm going to say is this When they came, were about to come out of Egypt And the death angel was coming through Egypt had been shaken By darkness, plague, sickness, death God kept Goshen The whole time Wherever there is a covenant There is a covering Wherever there is a covenant There is a covering I'm going to say that again Because some of y'all need to catch that Wherever there is a covenant There is a covering 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 It means God will cover Because you have covenant If you have a covenant You are never uncovered Never Never I remember I was driving, had preached three services, had preached up in L.A. years ago. I was driving back in the middle of the night. And in the middle of driving, fell asleep. Fell asleep. Now, I was dumb. I should have had somebody with me because I had been preaching, been preaching. I was going off the off-ramp when I fell asleep. I was going about 50 miles an hour and all of a sudden when I came to myself I was going in the air off the offering. But I remember I, I remember I said oh God when I said oh God the car I don't tell this story. The car kept going and landed. Didn't flip. Didn't turn. Landed. And when it bounced I was right back on the road and I said, "God, he said, son, I'll cover where there's a covenant." Ah! Uh, uh, it's too late to tell me anything different. It's too late. I know what it is. I was and in my mind I'm thinking I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die tonight. In my mind I'm thinking I'm going to hit those cars that are coming. In my mind I'm thinking there's no way for me to get out of this. But in my spirit I knew. He's bigger, he's greater, he's stronger, he's present, and he's real. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and are saved. Yay! He's a real God with real power. Oh, yes, he is. They were coming out of Egypt. All he said to them was, on the doorpost and on the mantles, He said, put the blood, put the blood and the death angel will pass over you. I'm trying not to, but I got to preach for a minute. He said, wherever I see the blood, death will pass over. And some of us need to be reminded that when the blood of Jesus hits your life, you are not natural, but you are supernatural. You are not under your own devices, but you are under a covenant with God. And wherever the blood of Jesus is flowing and applied it don't matter what the enemy has planned it can't rest in your house it can't land and take over it don't matter what they tell you is coming there is a covering of the blood of Jesus and if I see the blood I will pass over you I'm so glad I've got the blood of Jesus covering my life I'm so glad I've got a covenant that will not pass away when I see the blood the blood of Jesus is covering me it's covering me like a concrete barrier it's covering me like steel encasement it's covering me like an army around me and wherever there's blood the angels are on the right and on the left yes Psalm 91 I'll give my angels charge over thee to keep thee in all your ways there is Power in the blood of Jesus. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm trying not to preach, but I can't help myself. There's something about the blood. I'm so glad. I'm thankful for the blood. The devil can't break the bloodline. He can't get past the blood. Sickness got to bow. Depression got to yield. Fear got to back up. Wherever the blood is, God said, I'll make death pass over. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm under the blood. I'm under the blood, you're under the blood. He's covering you. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. I'm so glad, I'm so glad. Oh yes, whatever's in the body is in the blood. Whatever was in Jesus was in his blood. There was a life in him, there's a life in the blood. There was power in him, there's power in the blood. There was victory in him, there's victory in the blood. And when the blood of Jesus came upon my life, the same power, the same victory, the same glory, the same deliverance, it sits on my life. I'm so glad I'm underneath the blood of Jesus. Yay! What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other help I know. Nothing but the blood, the blood of Jesus. You're under the blood. You're covered by the blood. Be confident. Be strong in this. Remind yourself And every time the devil starts talking, you got to remember you're under the blood. He might be outside the house, but he ain't coming in the house. It's under the blood. You might yell at the window, but you ain't crossing the door. I'm under the blood. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad about it. (laughs) Yes. I'm so glad. There's something about the blood. Yes. Yes. Would you just look at somebody and say, Remember, you're covered. Remember, you're covered. With everything going on right now, don't you forget. Remember, 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 you're covered. You're covered. Oh, yes. And if I'm covered, if I'm covered, then why should I fear? (laughs) Why should I be afraid? What can man do unto me? Nothing. What can separate me from the love of God? Nothing. Not height, not depth, nothing. Not angels, nor principalities, nothing. Nothing that's coming, nor nothing that's been. (coughs) I'm covered by the blood. Now, I've got to be always in a safe place of knowing that if he is covering me, Jesus said it like this all those you gave me I've lost none If God's got you in his hand Can't nobody pluck you out? If God's got you in his hand There ain't no storm that can move you Ain't no sickness that can steal you ain't no fear that can break you if I'm in the hand of God There was a man named John G. Lake And when the sickness had hit South Africa, it says the people were dying. I think it was of tuberculosis. The plague. The plague was killing people. Sean G. Lake got there and he began to walk around and he said this as the scientists and doctors were looking at the people dying and trying to come up with a treatment. They said, Brother Lake, you can't be here. You have to cover your face and leave. He said, I'm not leaving. He said, I've come to preach the gospel for God's going to end this plague. He said, let me show you the power of God. He grabbed the foam. Somebody had just fallen to the ground, died of the plague. He took his hand and pulled the foam off their mouth. Then he gave it to a doctor and said, put it underneath a microscope and look at it. When they put it under the microscope, all of the virus and the bacteria was dying immediately. Everywhere he touched it, it died. And they asked the question, what is this? He said, the power of God in me kills sickness. Oh, now let me be clear. I'm not telling none of y'all to go out here and do that. But I'm reminding you there's power in you. And we get so busy being afraid, we forget we're supernatural. Supernatural. You got to remember what you carry. Remember what you carry. I was in a meeting and they came in, they had all these growths on their body. It's highly contagious. I was in Africa. I was with a great preacher of the gospel and he said, I looked and I said, oh, I said, Are those contagious? He looked at me. He said, no, not for us. I said, well, maybe not for you. (laughs) I said, I will watch you. (laughs) He said, oh, he said, American faith." faith. (laughs) Ah, somebody got it. He walked over and this is what he did. He said, let me show you the power of God. He grabbed the growths. And said in Jesus name I curse what the devil has done And I speak the power of God And he did like this And the growths came off in his hand And he threw them to the ground And there was perfect skin underneath I looked at him first I screamed I screamed like somebody stole my ice cream I did, I screamed I screamed I screamed like somebody was checking me I'm like ah! I said what is that? He said that's the power of God And he looked at me He said you've got to stop thinking like an American He said Americans talk big faith but run from everything (laughs) Our faith has to do more than talk Keep your faith alive Remind yourself every day that God is real and then around your own house symbolically the reason I changed this message the Lord showed me something symbolically I want some of you when you go home tonight in the midst of all this news and stuff you're hearing in the midst of buying up paper towels and getting sanitized and all that and that's good that's good if you can find it Let me tell you the very simple thing. I want some of you to do as an act of faith. When you get home, I want you literally to, in your spirit, say, Lord, in Exodus, you told them to put the blood on the top of the door and on the sides of the door. So, Lord, I'm going to just put my hand up here and speak that I am underneath the blood of Jesus. And then just put your hands on the side of the door and say, Lord, I thank you that the blood is covering my house And then just stand there for a minute and just thank him. God, I thank you. Everything in my house is covered. I thank you. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I thank you. There ain't no devil, nor demon, nor power coming up in this house because this house belongs to you. Even if somebody in your house don't live right, if one righteous is in the house, he going to hear the righteous. Speak it over your house. Declare it. And when you wake up in the morning, just thank him again. I thank you that I'm covered. You'll be amazed at how your mindset changed. How you begin to believe that he's with you I want to say to some right now who are watching with us. You need to do it right now You need to get up and lay hands on your own door speak over your own house Get the people in your house that are afraid and grab their hands right now and begin to pray and break fear fear You're a liar. We're not gonna listen to you We're not gonna let you keep us afraid now in the name of Jesus. We come against the spirit of fear Intimidation we speak in Jesus name that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We speak in Jesus' name that no plague over the Egyptian shall rest on the house of God. We declare in the name of Jesus, may the healing power of God flow to you right now. We pray in Jesus name Lord wherever someone has a diagnosis That's going wrong Lord heal them right now Restore them right now Touch them right now Whether it's coronavirus Whether it's cancer Whether it's heart disease Whatever it is You are our healer And you have healed all our diseases Now in Jesus name We speak the healing power of God Oh right now In Jesus name We declare it so We declare it so. The Lord told me something that I rarely do. I was in the house. This is the whole reason for this. I want to, doesn't have to be everybody, but the Lord, I rarely walk around with prayer oil. I was in my house, and this is what I rarely pray with, but when I pray, this is what I use, and I just grab it and pray. The Lord said to me, tonight, I want you to pray for houses, that people's houses will be covered. That we're all in agreement together. That every one of us is going to come into agreement that tonight as we agree, God is sealing and setting a seal over our house. That ain't nothing going to be in our house but the Holy Ghost. That the healing power of God is going to be with us. From the time Alexander Dowie began to preach the gospel, not one other person in his church died sick. They went from losing 30 people a year to sickness to everybody lived to be in their late 80s and 90s. It was a miracle. From John G. Lake moving in, he reset the power of God into a city and they called Spokane the healthiest city in the nation. From the time that Amy Simple McPherson hit L.A., they began to have healing meetings and they would fill up the park across the street With wheelchairs emptied Every time they did prayer When Catherine Kuhlman showed up The power of God hit a city When Smith Wigglesworth went in They emptied out hospitals The time has come for us to stop talking about miracles And walk in miracles And in the midst of what the enemy is doing We're going to speak the word of God Right here in the desert We're going to believe God And take him at his word Because we believe him Let God God is true Let every man be a liar But God is true So I want you to just stand up for a moment And I want you to just agree with someone We're going to agree in here Find someone, grab their hand Find someone, we're going to agree And those in your house, you do the same thing You find someone and agree with them Now Father, right now we thank you In the name of Jesus This hand we're touching This person we're agreeing with They are your child They belong to you So God in the mighty name of Jesus We ask you right now That your covenant belongs to us Healing is the children's bread We don't beg We believe So in the name of Jesus We agree now For the hand we're touching We agree now That whatever they need physically, whatever they need emotionally, may the power of God flow through them right now. Lord, restore. Restore bodies. Restore minds. Restore emotions. Restore. Put people into a healthy place. We ask in the name of Jesus. Hey, yes, Lord. Now we take authority over every demonic thing, over the power of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke it now. On the authority of the name of Jesus, we command it to loose, let go, break in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you that you're real and you're here right now. Right now. And now we lift up our children, we lift up family members. We lift up those who are sick and suffering. We pray for ourselves now. We pray for them. We lift up others and we ask you, heal and deliver. We pray that we'll even hear reports from family members over the next few days that they have been healed in their body, restored. We thank you, Lord. We pray for this nation. God, this onslaught. We pray right now, break it, reverse it. We agree with every church that's praying across this nation that this coronavirus, let it come to an end. Let your people have a breakthrough. We pray for the leaders of our nation. We pray for all of those in the health industry. We pray for those who will be on the ground ministering to people. We pray for doctors and nurses that they not be overwhelmed and weary. We pray that enough supplies would be exactly where they need to be. And we come against fear in the nation. We come against panic in the nation. We come against unbelief. God, settle us. Let peace reign. Let peace reign. And we thank you for it. And we call it so. In the mighty glorious name of Jesus, we call it so. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.